Welcome to the Kick-Ass Life Podcast. My name is Elle Russ. Join me and my co-host, Tara Garrison, every week as we tackle topics related to mindset and empowerment so you can create a happier, more abundant, and fun kick-ass life. Video episodes are available on youtube.com forward slash kick-ass life podcast. To learn more about us, visit our websites, coachtaragarrison.com and lruss.com. Hey guys, I'm super excited to tell you about the pasture-raised turkey sticks from Paleo Valley that I've been eating lately. These things are so good, but yes, the flavor is off the chain and you're going to love them. But what's really cool is that they're from hundred percent pasture raised Turkey. That is hard to find. This means turkeys that actually live on pasture and they're never given hormones. They're never given antibiotics. Plus they're using the old world method of fermenting these sticks. So they're shelf stable without any chemicals or crappy ingredients. Plus they're full of probiotics because of that fermentation process, right? So really, really cool. It's a healthy snack on the go. My kids love them. I pack them in their lunches. Um, they're autoimmune paleo approved. They're a great source of vitamins E, C, and D protein, omega three and omega six balance. So if you're looking for a healthy snack on the go, that comes from a really quality source, check out these, uh, pasture raised turkey sticks from paleo valley and you can get 15 percent off with code kickasslife so go visit paleovalley.com enter kickasslife at at checkout for 15 percent off and enjoy hey guys i want to tell you about one of my favorite new companies and that is rep provisions so i met these guys at paleo effects last year where they were just blowing everyone away with their beef sticks and pecan nut butter combo packs that are outrageously delicious but as i talked to them i was even more blown away because i found out what they were about they are a regenerative agriculture company committed to the future of the planet by the proper management of cattle so they are regenerating america's grasslands with with the management of their cattle. Look into it. It's amazing. Um, they have everything from, of course, high quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef to Mongolisa pork, which is like the Wagyu of pork to bone broth to bone broth popsicles, pecan nut butters, like I said, and so many amazing things. Um, go support them and support the future of our planet. And they're giving you 15% off for being a Kick-Ass Life podcast listener. So use coupon code Life and get 15% off at repprovisions.com. Hey everyone, we're going to take a minute here at the top of the show to chat with you about some of our sponsors who are offering incredible discounts for you and your family. We also only align ourselves with companies that we know are providing safe and healthy products and also products that we actually consume on a regular, if not sometimes daily basis. And one of those companies is Primal Kitchen. Primal Kitchen products are incredible because they are dairy-free, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free with no refined sugar. And they are delicious. So visit PrimalKitchen.com to check out the vast array of products of Available and use code KICKASSLIFE for 10% off. Hey everyone, welcome back. Our past couple of episodes were audio only because of a screw up that I did on the filming, but now we're back to video. So if you are listening to this and you want to get back on YouTube and watch us, that's youtube.com forward slash podcast. Today, we're going to talk about something I, I kind of wanted to bring up. You know, we're, we're coming off the heels of some rough four years worth of a lot of hate and division and things like that. And, you know, throughout these years, I've been talking with uh, my friends. So I've about seven people I might call my besties, you know, that I, I might call my really close friends. Uh, one is Chinese, the other is black, and the other is transgender. And I want to, I want to talk about that experience too, because I found out a year ago and it was a very shocking thing for me as a friend to find out. Um, and I just want to talk about some of these things. Obviously Tara and I are not race experts or tolerance experts, but I think we all need to look at what our own 
uh, prejudices are. And, you know, I have some um, that were from youth. And I just want to share one that came up as I was talking with uh, Tanya Dyer, who was on uh, Tara's podcast, In and Out. Um, and, you know, Tanya grew up in Chicago like I did in the suburbs, but she was a Black girl that grew up in a, a white neighborhood. And, you know, when you hear from other people's cultures what their experience it is, and you're a white, it's, it's a really revelatory moment. So, for yeah. example, my Chinese friend, Cindy Liu, she's, she's like, every time I'm in a car, if I feel like I make a mistake driving up, oh, there goes the Asian driver. God that's damn. So I hope you don't see me put my hat down. I don't want to, you know, I mean, okay. So right. that's, that's her experience. And then Tanya's is, you know, she explained to me, she's like, when you, when a bunch of white people are hanging out and a white people, a white person starts acting dumb, you don't, you just go, Oh, there's some dumb shit over there. Right. You don't, we don't think about it, but when they are in a room and some black person starts acting stupid, they take it on as their whole thing. Like, Oh my God, dude, please don't make us look bad. Now, if you're white and you're out there, you've never had to deal with that. You've never had to deal with that. And so, um, you know, yeah. I just want to talk about some of these things. And one of the things that was interesting is that Tanya said to me, she goes, you know, growing up, someone looking like you, L, was my arch nemesis, like the blonde, blue eyed, classic, you know, white chick. And what's funny is that when I was growing up, I was prejudiced against, wait for it. This is a really random one. I was prejudiced against Irish Catholics. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> uh, when I was growing up in downtown Chicago, especially at the time, most of the police force were white Irish Catholic guys. And so was the mayor. Uh, it was a huge Irish Catholic city. They dyed the river green, I mean, for like a hundred years, every, you know, St. Patrick's Day. And one of the things uh, that killed me is the, the police were very corrupt. We saw it with our own eyes. I don't even want to tell you the horrible stories. So I associated that with corruption because Chicago police force was very corrupt at the time. And I associated it with racism and all sorts of things. So growing up, literally after that, if I saw someone with like a last name that was kind of Irish, which by the way, that, that's, that's kind of your last name too. I, I would, I would get an immediate like, Ooh, I don't know if I can trust them because they might be a freaking race. Like that was my hesitancy. And it took a while to kind of get past that. It was just because of what I saw. So I guess it's like, let's dive in and see, you know, what are you out there? What have you experienced? And what have you noticed and thought, you know, like when I was a kid and I would go to someone's house, most kids were first generation at that point. So if you went to a Chinese kid's house, usually they were cooking traditional food. And I remember being like, oh, their house smells terrible. Or, you know, Chinese people's homes smell awful or, or, oh, that's weird. What are they doing over? Why do they have plastic? Why do all the Greek people have plastic on their furniture? You know, but the other side of it too, is that I grew up in such a melting pot that when I got out of it, I didn't understand why other people weren't open. And I think that that's why we see that, uh, you know, when we look at, let's say like elections or whatever, a lot of cities tend to be more liberal. And I, I kind of tend to think that it's because everyone's on the bus and the train with everybody, you know, with every color of the rainbow. Um, and, and then I'll finish up by saying this and I can talk more about it, but I, you know, I had a best friend who was my roommate in uh, San Francisco many years ago after college and she was a lesbian and uh, awesome, became my best friend, uh, has been for years. She even got married to a woman. I was the best woman in the wedding. And then I get a call a couple of years ago and I hadn't talked to her in a while. And I was wondering like, what, what's up? Is she kind of blew me off? You know, what happened to her? And um, turns out she became a man, fully transitioned into a man. So I, 
I was in a whole new world of like, oh my God, I, I don't know anything about this. You know, as much as I've lived in San Francisco and places where you see some of this stuff, I, I was confused. I had to deal with a whole new level of pronouns, a new name. I still sometimes might say things like the word she and have to correct myself. And that was a tough one for me. It was not because I didn't believe in it, but because I had so many questions, you know what I mean? And so I think it's just interesting that we all take a look at you know, again, where we might be in next time you go up Asian driver, stop and go, hold on a minute. No. How about just a shitty driver? And let me cancel that thought, you know, because I think we all need to move forward, you know, right now in this world. And I think a lot of it's coming from prejudices could be against the other side politically, or it could be because you're still harboring something because this Black Lives Matter thing happened. And now, you know, like, where are you at with that? And I think we all have to kind of just take a deep. So that's why I wanted to just bring up the topic. Nothing maybe mm -hmm. revelatory to say here, but what are your thoughts? That was a long one. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, you brought up so many good things. I'm like got a running tick through my, I'm like, don't forget to address that. Um, the first thing that I love that you brought up um, is stereotypes because I think stereotypes either negative or positive we there's no such thing as a positive stereotype but we call it that um, for example um, Asian people are good at math or you know sure. my ex-husband is half Samoan and they call the Samoans the happy people and it's like what the, what is that like so you have to be <laughs> happy all the time because you're Samoan you know like and so um uh, I think, you know, I took, so my minor in college was in interpersonal communications. And as part of that, we studied culture, cultures and intercultural communications. And I remember learning that so in depth in a class um, where we just really had to examine all of our quote unquote positive stereotypes. And they're so dangerous because they remove the individual. It's the same thing as a negative stereotype. And it's, it, it's crazy how much we do it, you know, and like, as a, it's the irony of, um, black lives, in my opinion, like the black lives matter retaliation for a lot of people was all cops are pigs. All cops are terrible people. Every single sure. one of them, you know, and I've, it's like, I understand the, the freaking messed upness of the system for sure. But, you know, I'm thinking of like one of my previous clients who retired from the NFL and decided to become a police officer. And he has like the biggest heart ever. He himself is a minority, you know, and like, sure, I don't see him having racist tendencies at all. Um, and it's just, but we group together. It's like, nope, if you're a cop, that means you support that system and you're a bad person, you know? And it's like, freak, dude, some of these people were just trying to find a job that they could like, find a path where they could, you know, have yeah. some sort of career. Like, um, but when we, when we lump people together like that, we remove the individual and, and, and on any level, <laughs> even if it's like soccer moms, you know, we have all these stereotypes about soccer moms. I actually personally like really hate that one. And, uh, in the training industry, the, this is how they'll, they'll talk about clients, like your client pool. It can be, you know, like business executives or athletes or even like moms <laughs> they'll say they'll, they'll <laughs> do like, like, like even they even they do it yeah even moms can do this and I like I always hate <laughs> that the way that's phrased it's like I'm like a human in my 30s who's like physically fit like I'm I, I'm also a mom but that's that stereotype of like wow it's amazing even moms can do that physically like I don't like the way that feels you know so anytime we lump together groups of people, we remove the individual. And that's when we end up with lack of tolerance and lack of connection and all of that. Um, I think it's funny another what you said about the mom thing, because, you know, I think it was Lisa Bill, who was talking about an experience you had with the woman who was when I guess Lisa said, well, what do you do? She just is like, oh, I'm just a mom, you know, like discounting yeah. that, like what an important, incredible job that is. I think moms and because of that kind of rhetoric, 
have come to sort of just be like, oh, I'm just a mom. Oh my God. No, that's honestly, and I know people say it, that is the fucking hardest job. I don't care what anyone says. I, oh, yeah. I was raised by a single mom. I saw it. Guess what? It's a lot. It is 24 seven nonstop ahead of the game. Every thought is about that child that it, it's a level of commitment and dedication. I can't even, that's the hardest job it's full-time. And so when people discount it as only a mom, you know, so I would say to the moms out there, are you deflecting even your own power there? Maybe in that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing that, that you hit on, you know, um, for me having, you know, being a white person in America, do we absolutely, are we like oblivious to so much personal experience of people of other, um, ethnicities? Yup. I know that for sure. I at least know that much, you know, and I, and I was grateful, um, being married to my ex-husband for 13 years who, was half Samoan and half white. Like he really opened my eyes to some of the experiences he was having and made me realize honestly how much I was discounting. I, it, it was bad, you know, like I was like uh, totally doing like all the stuff that now that I appreciate, like Black Lives Matter has brought to the forefront um, and helped people understand, like just because you don't think you're racist, like in acting like racism doesn't exist, like that kind of makes you an asshole, you know? <laughs> and so like, yeah. I learned that being married to him, um, like I remember just little things like all the, all the white guys at church would like all get together. And I was friends with all of their wives, except he was like the only husband that wouldn't get invited. And there was nothing wrong with his personality. He's funny and cool. And he was actually raised in Utah. Like, like basically like a, a, all of them, just like right, they Utah. were, you know what I mean? <laughs> just really, but um, you know, I remember, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but I remember times him feeling like, yeah, that's cool. Like I'm the only one that's not invited to do that stuff. And I was like, and he was saying he that felt like it was because of his race. And I'm like, yeah, right. And as I looked at it, I was like, no, that's true. I actually, I can see how you would feel that way and getting, you know, I, again, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. I'm sure he doesn't listen to my podcast, but um, just him sharing of feeling always like an outsider. Um, and I think people with mixed ethnicities kind of feel this way all the time. He's like, I don't feel all the way in with the white people and I don't feel all the way in with the Samoan people, you know? And that was like yeah. a really big eye opener for me to be more sensitive to things like that. I was like, Oh, you know, cause again, like if you haven't lived through it, how can you know? And I guess that's where I want to move next is, um, is how to become more tolerant because tolerance is the basis of the golden rule, right? Like, and it's, it is also the basis of the first amendment, right? That's what, at least, you know, I know we have international listeners, but for the United States, I mean, that's what we were, that's what helped the U S go so long without having all of these like religious battles and wars and all of these things was the basis of tolerance, you know, that's the, right. the very first amendment <laughs> in the constitution. So the first step, in my opinion, the first step to becoming more tolerant is to try to empathize for a second, like pretend you are them for a second. <laughs> you know, right? I want to, I want to highlight that. So, uh, you know, I have a degree in philosophy and when you are a philosophy major, you study philosophy of law, philosophy of religion, philosophy of politics, right? All these different areas. And, uh, in political philosophy, everyone always studies something, a book called John Rawls theory of justice. And the overall, if I could take one thing away from it is exactly what you said. He said, listen, the way that you should decide how you want your country or society to work, if you have a say in voting is, you look at and imagine and literally put yourself in the shoes of everyone. So imagine yourself as like a disabled person. Imagine yourself as a transgender person, even though you cannot even think about it, but think right. about it for a second. What Try. if you did wake up and felt like you're in the wrong body? Right. That would be a horrible Try. thing, you know? Yep. And so and what is all of that? 
That's empathy. It takes a practice. Put yourself in the shoes and then go, would I be happy with all of the laws and the way society is right now if I was this person? And I guarantee you're going to have some things that you're like, actually, no, I might not be okay with that then if I was that person. You know, yeah. maybe now I understand more about ramps and shit because I'm, I'm not in a wheelchair or whatever it is, but that's empathy. And my biggest test on this recently and in my own personal development is, can I be tolerant? Can I be empathetic when I don't feel someone was tolerant or empathetic towards me? Oof, so when tough. I feel like somebody came at me and didn't understood or misunderstood or misinterpreted my words and then came at me firing with guns blazing, can I, in that, can, in my response, can I, as Victor Frankl says, can I create that space, take advantage of that space that's actually always there in between stimulus and response and find my own power and freedom, you know? And so that to me has been the biggest test is, is like, okay, cause it's, it's sure easy to want to go into defense mode when you feel like somebody's not being empathetic towards you and they're, and you feel like completely misunderstood and judged and all of that. Can you then take a moment to put yourself in their shoes and see why they might, might not have that empathy, see where they might be coming from and then just allow it. Cause that's a huge part of acceptance. Accept, acceptance really is just allowing someone to be how they are without attempting to change them. Right. And acceptance, acceptance is huge for like all positive relationships. You know, if I, if, if Elle and I were like, you know, Elle, like, I think you need to work on this and this and this and your personality, like, wow, that'd be like a really weird control mechanism that I'd be trying to pull in our relationship. <laughs> like you just are who you are. I am who I am. And if we choose to like, enjoy each other's presence together, then we do, you know, <laughs> like doesn't mean we don't give each other feedback on little things, but true acceptance is allowing. Right. And so when, you know, when we are, uh, I guess, expecting others to be empathetic of us and to be tolerant of us, the true test is, are we willing to do that towards someone that we don't perceive as being that way towards us? That's a really, really good, worthy examination. And a great example would us. be honestly, probably a lot of quote minority groups in the country over time, like way back when, yeah, black people were really freaking tolerant. They didn't have a opportunity maybe to not be because they might get hit with something bad if they didn't. But uh, people have put up with a lot of shit, right? People have taken, people on that down road have taken the high road in those moments in a lot of them and sucked it up too. And I think, you know, it's tough. Like in our industry, there's a lot of people that might completely disagree with my politics or how I feel about certain things. And I think it's important when I see some those topics start to get brewed and come up, I just try to bring it back around to common values or, or not get into it for the sake of let's have hey, we're already getting along on all these levels. Let's not put a kink in the armor here unless we really have to. You know, is this going to be a non-versation or a, a real conversation and, and turn it around? And I would say too, if you have friends that are out there that are of different ethnicities, ask them, what it's been yeah. like for you? <laughs> That was the next you thing know, I was going to say. What, what's the difference? Like, what do you, mm -hmm. you know, like even Tanya said, she goes, you know, look, growing up, she goes, all black people like are pretty much taught. She goes, I wouldn't have my hands nowhere near my purse anytime I'm in a store because classically they're looked at like, oh, are they going to steal something? And I can Holy tell you, I recognize this in high school because, you know, I grew up in the inner city and I was a minority in my high school, meaning uh, the, the blacks were a majority, we are the minority. But when I got out of school, I saw the contrast. I realized that I was mm -hmm. walking into the world, walking through Neiman Marcus. No one was looking at, guess what? And guess who was stealing all the shit? 
the white kids. We were stealing all the shit, guys. We were wow. like the total troublemakers because nobody looked at us because no one, tr- no one, you know, no one you know, would talk about it. Not them. They had a different experience growing up. And, you know, I can kind of see that that contrast. Um, you know, it's interesting because Utah, and I want to ask you about Mormonism on this. Um, so I know you, Utah and Nebraska had a couple things on their ballot this year that were about language in the constitution that needed to be removed. For example, things that were illegal, like if a black person gets punished, they could be sold into slavery. That's still technically like on the books. So a couple of oh states had a provision where they're like, hey, can you vote to take this out of the language of the, which seems to be very logical. But 20% of Utahns, I'm glad 80%, but 20% voted against it. Holy smokes. 20% of people still thought, no, fuck that. That's okay. Keep it on the books. Slave. I mean, that it's already legal, wow. right? You can't put a black person in slavery. And, and in Nebraska, I believe 250,000 people voted against it. Now, I think they both passed in both states, but still, you've got a chunk of people who are still that deep into their, you know, racism, bigotry, whatever, that they are not even going to vote to, to let language like that. That's from what, 1800, you know what I mean? Off the books. So that's crazy. But I wanted to ask you about this because a black person brought this up to me recently about Mormonism, but I wasn't sure. They said, they said, Hey, I believe that there was some story in Mormonism about Cain and Abel and black people being less than, and then and then Mormons over the years, like had to take it out of their language. Was there anything like that you saw in your time there when you, you know, you studied mm-hmm. that stuff? Yeah. Okay, so that, what was that, about? that was actually literally the very first thing I said when I left that religion was, I am so glad that I don't have to pretend like I'm okay with that anymore. <laughs> that was the very okay. first thing I said. And it wasn't actually, um, black people for me it was actually um native american people um or like indigenous people oh that's Um, how they kind of how do they phrase it and what's the quote reasoning or what was the thing in the religion that said uh so they were saying that um yeah that's uh like the dark skin was a curse for being evil (laughs) okay and, and that's a, throughout the Book of Mormon, right? Is that the they're, they're called Lamanites and Nephites. The Nephites were the white ones and the Lamanites were the dark skinned ones. And they were dark skinned because they were cursed from being evil. And I'm like sitting here with my little like dark skinned baby, you know, Polynesian babies. And my husband at the time is, has darker skin. And I'm just like, this is such ridiculous horseshit. Like I'm not going to- Did you ever I'll- bring it up or ask anyone in the church? Like, hey, what's this about? Or did you just- it's like everyone is trying to just pretend like it's not there. Like, it's just like, it's like this thing that nobody wants to talk about or really admit. And it's like, yeah, it's just, it's total denial. Um, I think in the Book of Mormon uh, Broadway musical, there's some song, my daughter plays it a lot. And it's, it's, it's just like about like compartment, compartmentalizing things in your brain. Like, let's just pretend like I don't need, that's not there. And just <laughs> put it in a little nice little box and tuck it away and just move on, you know? And so that's kind I feel like how it is. I don't think Mormons in general are racist people, but that is in the Book of Mormon, and it's like a real thing. And I just, I did they, remember, did they do anything to come out and announce and go, "Hey, we don't so, like"? Uh, did they do? Yeah, anything to they the do. Messaging or yeah, I mean, there was a thing too where blacks weren't able to have the priesthood, which they believe is the power of God that the men hold, and that's a huge part of Mormon history. And um, you know, they've since like apologized, I guess, officially for it saying, you know, like we totally accept all people and all of that. So they, they put that in their messaging, but it's still like in the scripture. <laughs> like I, I, I just, when I meet people who are black, who are Mormon, I'm like, damn, you're a big person. <laughs> like yeah, that right, would... right. I was gonna say how many, there, there's gotta be a very low amount of black Mormons, very low. but I mean, 
eh, there's more in Africa, you know, but like, I don't know, like it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I would well, say maybe, maybe they got witnessed and like missionaried, but they like, didn't like show them that one part. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think they're basically saying like, Hey, we're sorry. We messed up. Like that was kind of messed up. And that was just kind of how things were back then. And sorry. And now we're moving forward. <laughs> like that's kind of the vibe there. There is an official statement. I'm like totally butchering that, but that's okay. really like the essence of it, you know, but for me, that was like, literally, I remember it was maybe like the day that I decided I was never going back to Mormonism. That was one of the first things I said. I was like, I can't, I am so glad that I don't have to pretend like being dark skinned was a freaking curse ever in the history of humanity. <laughs> like I was, that was such an issue for me also gays. Um, so my best friend growing yeah, up, tell us that story again. I know you said it before, but this is, uh, I think a sure. good one. Yeah. So my best friend, um, growing up and, and she was Mormon as well. Um, she is gay and married to a woman now and has two beautiful children. And, um, for me, you know, after she was one, she was terrified to tell me, she said, I was the most afraid of anyone to tell that she was gay, which made me so sad because I'm like, apparently, cause I was so Mormon at the time. I think she just thought I would like dismiss her or not be her friend anymore or something which I was heartbroken to find that out. It really made me take a look at myself. I'm like, I can't believe she felt like that. Like, dang dude. Um, but you know, since then I remember I was still Mormon at the time. And she um, told me that she was going to get a sperm donor and have a baby. And I remember I was so Mormon at that time I was in leadership, you know, here I am supposed to be like, and, and they truly, you know, uh, they say that they accept gay people, but if you act on it, it's a sin. <laughs> So I remember she went to her Mormon ecclesiastical leader and was like, listen, I'm gay. So like what, but I also love being Mormon. So what am I supposed to do? And he's like, well, you kind of have to make a choice. And she's like, okay, I'm going to choose happiness. So, um, so that's what it is. It's like, you can be, you can be gay. <laughs> like even that type of thinking is like, right, right. Um, but you, you know, just can't so. act on it, you know? And so here she's telling me that she's going to have um, this baby. And I was just like, F it. I am so freaking happy for you. That is so awesome. You are going to be the most amazing mom. And she is, she's like super mom, you know? <laughs> and like, I'm, I just remember having that moment where I had to decide if I was going to do what felt right for me inside or, or play part of this belief system that I had fallen into. And I was just like, I'm not going to not be happy for my friend right now. Like that's so beautiful for her, you know? So there is um, some mixed up stuff in lots of religion, right. Where there is some lack of tolerance, lack of acceptance. Um, and you know, uh, and actually a few years ago, a lot of people, I don't mean to like harp on the Mormon church this whole time, but mm -hmm. a lot of people left the Mormon church in droves because they made an announcement saying that children of gay people could not be baptized. Wow. So a lot of people pieced out when that happened. That's like it, so it was like a mass and again, exodus. Like a religion based on right. All these other principles of love and kindness. And yet over here, no, you're less than whatever. And so mm -hmm. if you were brought up in these religions or you still, maybe some of your stuff that you got going on with prejudices can be traced back to oh, that. For sure. and, and like, you know, just taking a look at that. Um, yeah, that's so I want to, I want to hit on something you said. I don't want to, I don't want to lose this. Cause I, you were talking about how like tolerance of people who like how like black people, for example, had had to be tolerant because they would be like physically harmed if they weren't. I want to talk about that. Cause I think like uh, tolerance of abuse is never okay. You know, true, um, true. but I do think it made me think of like outsmarting 
outsmarting your abuser basically yes. and it re- i'll go ahead and quote the the quote from victor frankel which is one of my favorite quotes of all time and it's between stimulus and response there is a space in that space is our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our freedom and you know he was a holocaust survivor he was in a concentration camp when he wrote this and um i think you know i think of the example that martin luther king jr set for us and it was very much that you know it's not that he was uh tolerant of the abuse but he was outsmarting the abuse he's like let's fight this in a more intelligent way and i think there's a lesson for every single one of the us no matter what situation we're in instead of becoming like super hyper reactive it's like pausing for a second and thinking like freak what can i actually do that will change you know and that would so- be like martin luther king would be a perfect example of that right the nonviolent coalition get together spreading knowledge and word and working in politics versus fighting, you know, again, trying to outsmart mm-hmm. and work, work with the system. I mean, that's what women did for the women's movement in the seventies. Totally. It's yeah. Like what they did. Tolerating effed upness is not okay, but right. approaching it in a more in- intelligent way. Yeah. That's, that's worthy for sure. Um, you, you hit, I was, uh, I had like four things here on how to become more tolerant and I had tried to empathize. And the second one I had was ask questions, which you is exactly what you said, because yeah, when you find out like, wait a minute, you feel like you can't keep your hands near your purse when you're walking through a store? Like, shit, I had no idea that you felt like that. Like, oh, my whole, that like changes my whole paradigm. You know, it's like, yeah, got it. And it's really hard to have empathy if you have no information like that. So I think, you know, if you do have friends and that's, that's what happened with my ex-husband. I'm like, I finally, I started like asking instead of trying to shut him down and be like, Oh, you're being silly. People aren't being racist towards you. I'm like, Oh, wait, (laughs) let me actually ask how you feel. Oh, it turns out I'm the one who's blind. Okay. Got it. Um, and then another thing I think, uh, to help with tolerance is, like using I statements instead of you statements. So this one I'm kind of hitting more on social media type stuff. Um, so I'd say 2020 has been one of the most divisive years that I can think of uh, from coronavirus to yeah. Black Lives Matter to the the presidential election, at least in the U.S. Like it has been crazy <laughs> divisive and it's still going rampant right now while, while we're recording this. Um, And it's so easy. I think one of our basic human needs is to want to be heard. Um, And it's so easy to take that out on other people when they disagree with us. Um, I had a really cool experience recently. I just went to lunch uh, last week with a friend in Austin who I haven't seen in a while. And she, she disagrees with me on a few things. She disagrees. And she's like one of my best friends. Like I adore her and I super respect her opinion. And she disagrees with me on my mask stance, my kind of anti-mask stance. And it was like such a beautiful conversation. Cause it was just like, Oh, you do. And she's like, yeah, I just really feel like the numbers show that like, we really should be wearing them. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> like, and neither one of us hate each other or can't be friends anymore because we have differing opinions on the mask thing. And I think I, I just want to share that example because man, how often on social media do we selfishly use our need to be heard and validated to go trample all over somebody else's opinion? And what happens, I think, is the language is what's so, what we need to be so aware of in ourselves. So let's say, you know, somebody posts something like, 
like I'm so pissed that Trump lost because Trump was going to make America great again or something. Right. And you're like, no freaking way was he going to make America great again. That's your stance. But you come on there and you're like, you, we get into this fighting language. We get into this accusatory language of like, are you freaking kidding me? Or like, are you stupid? Or how can you, right? All these use, how can you possibly think that, you know, instead of saying, I, if you want, if you need your voice to be heard, <laughs> maybe saying something like, I actually think it's going to be really great because of this, this, and this, you know, and like sharing your opinion, that's fine. But using I language is so much healthier than attacking somebody with, you need to do this and you need to see it like that. And you are off here, blah, blah, blah. That's when we just start getting, that's like basic communication 101, by the way, like if you haven't heard that by now and actually developed that practice and in your interpersonal communication on all levels in your life, like you you might want to start doing that because it's really like it's actually when we start using you language it's actually a control mechanism it's our attempt to control something that we can't control we cannot control the feelings or actions of others at all and as soon as we try to get in that place really? we will be miserable right and it shows judgment as well and it shows in my opinion a little bit of a lack of self-awareness so when you get into arguments with people and you're saying you do this and you always and you never and you, you like well you're the one who and all that stuff super unhealthy like if you ha still have that kind of stuff in your verbiage like you're gonna have to like sh literally like <laughs> muzzle yourself and stop and break that habit until you can start to say things like okay so i'm feeling like this uh question I start asking questions do you like do you feel like that too or like trying to come to a place of agreement instead of attacking attacking and here's all these things I see in you and, and instead of you know people say when you have one point when you have the finger pointed at somebody you got three pointed mm -hmm. back at yourself like look at those three fingers what can you do differently and how can you relate with somebody in a way that comes to agreement and understanding versus attacking like to me this is like reflective of what's happening on social media is reflected of poor it's a reflection of poor intercommunication skills uh, interpersonal communication skills across the board and with people, right? We have a long way to go on this, like communication, psychology. This, these are new fields. Like we don't, we, we're, we're amateurs, you know? And so starting to actually do the work on that in our interpersonal relationships in real life, I think can really start to reflect on the, on the way we're showing up online as well. Yeah. That's all, that's all such good stuff. Um, I, I was I was just kind of wrap up and say, so let's say you don't, you, okay. So well, I was actually looking up some of the Utah statistics on like the, the votes for that thing. I also saw, cause I was like, oh, what are the whitest states? Like, what are, you know, like what are, where, where are the diversity? I didn't know. I mean, I'm not surprised, but uh, Utah is 86% and it's not even the whitest, which I was shocked about. Um, but let's say you live in a place where maybe there's not a lot of different people, you know, or, or you don't have friends or whatever. Film, film and television has been an incredible way for, yeah. for Hollywood has really done a great job in a lot of ways to, to through film and television. So I just wanted to mention a couple things, uh, a couple things that stood out to me recently. So obviously if it's about, you know, Judaism, look that up. There's so many great, you know, movies about the Holocaust, you know, there's Schindler's List. There's like the, the, the beautiful day one, right. With the, the, Italian guy. That's my um, favorite movie. Life is beautiful. That's yes. my favorite movie. Such a good movie. Um, another you have great to watch one it is... in Italian, guys. Sorry, you have to watch it in Italian. Please don't watch that movie in English. It ruins it. Yeah, always subtitles watch way subtitles. to go. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the dubbing is always so bad. So bad. Uh, 
so bad. Another great movie I saw recently was Harriet Tubman. You know, we all know about Harriet Tubman. We learned about her in school, but I was like, I don't remember shit. What was that about? Watched the, the movie and I was like, oh, just, you know, just a mess. And just, we have to remember that these things actually happen. Yeah. Um, another good one that's on, was on Netflix this year. And this is uh, called Self-Made. It's about the first black uh, millionaire woman who created a hair product. For those of you that uh, don't know this out there, uh, black women have a huge have huge issues with their hair. It's a, it's a, it's like a freaking nightmare. Um, and I did not realize this until, you know, black friends start talking to you and they're like, you have it easy. Your stuff's washed and dry. Ours is dry clean. It breaks off. It's like a nightmare. That's why when white people adopt black kids or whatever, they're always like, Oh my God, they have to reach out to like other black people to be like, we don't know what we're doing here. My kid's crying all the time with their hair. It's a whole thing. And so there's this mini little mini series called self-made on Netflix, all about really the struggle of black women with their hair. It's just a big thing in their culture that I That's wasn't cool. aware of. And I was like, you know what, I'm gonna watch this because I'm listening to my friend, Tanya, who had to struggle and shave off her head a year ago. You know, when you interviewed wow. Tanya, she was probably a year into growing it out. She had to shave her whole head off. You have wow. to start from scratch sometimes. You know, it's not fun to be bald, you know what I mean? Right. So, so that was a crazy one that I was like, oof, you know, I did not know that. And I learned so much about history and about this amazing black entrepreneur woman who rose up and was like, fuck this. And, you know, so through TV and film, there's a great, um, on Apple TV, there's a great series called Out in Television. It takes you through the history of television and how gays were representative. And it weaves you through historical events that happened as a result. And it is just like a wonderful expose about that topic. So if you can't speak and also you can also call up any organization you could call up gay alliance against defamation glad you could call up hrc human rights campaign those are both like two lgbt groups you could call any one of them and go i just want to talk to someone because i don't know i, I have questions and right. everyone would be so happy to be like let me let me share this with you like for example what i learned from my trans friend is they were having some health issues and i said well do you think any of it could be related because you know they have to inject themselves with hormones to make them the other gender essentially and i said well do you think like any of your problems are related to that and they said and now that seems innocuous of a statement but she's like he's like sorry there you go he's like that's a little transphobic that kind of comment and it happens with us at doctors offices all the time so they're being blamed for the decision that they made or being or something mm -hmm. is being blamed on that um, the other thing too, is that my trans friend is not an activist, not online, hates social media. Um, and you know, trans people don't want to talk about trans shit all the time. They really right. don't. Especially like my friend who's like, I'm just in the world doing it. I'm not, I don't, no one even knows, no one cares. I just, I'm over here because right. this is what I had to do for me. And yet, so like not every gay person's a damn activist, right? Not every yeah. LGBT. And then also too, a lot of trans people in the beginning, they meet other trans people in certain groups and then they realize just because you're trans doesn't mean you're not a shitty person to hang out with either, right? You know what I mean? Just because, yep. you know, you and I are the same doesn't mean I'm going to like you. And that goes for every group of people, right? So not all trans people get along. Not all gay people get along. Obviously, it's kind of an obvious thing to say. But I just thought it was kind of interesting talking to him and uh, dealing with issues about birth certificate insurance, what they have to go through, um, and, and know that there's a lot of hate out there. So you know, just some things that like I wasn't aware of. So I said, hey, can I have a conversation where I ask you all of these questions? And, you know, if it ever gets annoying, let me know. And it just, it, it, it helped so much for me to sort of understand it. And I got to say, there were moments, there are, there were moments when I think to myself, God, it's a lot to go through. That's a lot yeah. to go through. Like there's a part of you that goes, why would you do that to yours? There's just a, a part of you that goes, oh my. And when you talk to these people, you realize, um, you know, it is a lot to go through and you yeah. don't go through all of that unless 
Yeah, for nothing. That's for that's nothing. like not I, unless it's really right. really important to your life. And the totally. funny thing about my my trans friend is when he was a lesbian, <laughs> he hated everything about being a woman. So like hated hated it. And I remember like when he first told me he transitioned, I was like shocked, but there's a part of me that's like, no, oh, no, that kind of makes sense. You know? Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, I'm glad you brought this up because I guess we can wrap up with this, but like, I think one on, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with like new kind of gender vocabulary and all that, like we kind of, in my opinion, we kind of have like a duty to at least like look it up, perform a simple Google search. So you can be a little bit more sensitive. Like, do you know what non-binary means? (laughs) Do you know what gender non-conforming is? Like, do you understand the difference between like transgender, um, and like transvestite or yeah, right. Exactly. So it's like a simple Google search literally like you can pull up a lot of lists. I think like just being, you know, in the know so you can be somewhat sensitive is like a basic human uh, act of respect. Um, But also at the same time, you know, I I also encourage people who are, um, you know, not gender non-conforming or non-binary or whatever to also exemplify some, um, some tolerance and acceptance also of people who this is like completely outside of their world. It's just like slapping them from the left outside out of nowhere. They have no idea. They've never even thought about it. They're not trying to always be assholes to you. Like they just like, it's so new to them. Some people are being assholes. Some people are being like totally prejudiced, you know, jerks. But I also ask, you know, I feel like sometimes it can be really sensitive, like, and I get it, you know, because it's probably they feel chronically like misunderstood. And then these little hurtful things are being said. And it's like, ouch, that actually really hurts that you said it like that. Thanks. Um, and so it's good to voice that up. You know, it's, it's good that your friend said like, Hey, that's actually a little bit transphobic, like, and, and educate. But I also, you know, I think tolerance goes on both sides and being able to say like, this person clearly doesn't have any context here. So I'm going to like cool my jets and with kindness, understand that they don't get it. And if I choose to educate them, then I do, I don't have to do it in a hateful, spiteful, angry way. If I don't feel like educating them, then I don't have to do that either, you know, but I think the tolerance can go on both sides when you can see that somebody has no empathy or honestly no knowledge at all in the area of where you're coming from. Um, my last, my last, like, I guess, challenge to you guys as listeners is um, to consider the fact that intolerance is actually a sign of low self-esteem. Because it's showing that what somebody else thinks matters so much to you that it's kind of knocking you off your own feet and your own um, opinions and your own stance. So more confident people are generally more tolerant of other people because they are, they are happy and secure and where they are. So when somebody says something that may appear intolerant of them, they're like, oh, that's interesting. Like um, they don't need others to agree with them. They don't need that from people, but they can become fascinated by maybe where they're missing um, some, some education or experience. But usually if we're feeling very intolerant, we're feeling threatened in some way. And that's a reflection of low self-esteem. Um, and so I guess I'll encourage you to ask, you know, when to notice after listening to this, where you are having intolerant feelings, like where you are like, that is not okay. And just ask yourself, like, what's really going on there? When did that start? What is the root of it? Um, Is there any insecurity there? And why do you feel so strongly about it? Were you persuaded by somebody else? Or do you really just feel strongly about it? Like dig in. And, you know, of course, like, 
morality is generally like what we perceive as immoral. I think that's the biggest thing that we get like super freaking triggered and intolerant of. And that's, that's okay on a lot of levels, but I still invite, I mean, definitely. Right. Like, but we need to take a look at that in ourselves and say like, Hey, is this insecurity judgment? Uh, uh, are these low vibrational frequencies that I'm having here? Like, because to me, if you can get to a place where it comes to love and peace, so your feelings and your way of coming across is an invitation for love and peace for yourself and others. Now you're on the better track, right? Cause I think like these like fighty, like, like judgmental snappy thing. That's just, it's just lower vibe. It's easy to get there. Right. So when we can yeah. like really like take a second to examine our own intolerant feelings and say like, what's really going on? How do I actually feel when I think about those thoughts? Do I feel angst and anger and pissed offness? And like, I would just want to freaking punch somebody or kill them. Like if you're feeling like that, you're probably not all the way there yet. And it takes, you know, this is all of us, you know, I mean, I have a yeah. million things like this myself, sure. but I think it's worthy. Like, how can I come to a place of peace and love? Really, really asking myself that because then that, that to me, that's when you actually find solutions that might work and that might actually bring a place of coming together. Otherwise I feel like it's just like, you're going to kind of always stay in like fighting and opposition. And that brings a lot of misery. So I think all of us, I know every single one of us have intolerances. Yeah. So I think it's a worthy thing for all of us to like, when they pop up to really take a look at and an examine in ourselves. Yeah. Let's all be the example that you know, probably should have been set before all this rolled in, but let's just be that example. Everyone listening, let's just try to do our best in the next year and forthcoming because we got to heal this and it takes all of us. And um, yeah, that's it. I got no more to say on this. All right. Yeah. Thanks guys. Let us know your thoughts. Obviously it's a little bit touchy. We're doing our best to just like open up conversations and we're always welcome more than welcoming your feedback. Um, We don't think we're right all the time and we're more than welcome to hear your thoughts. That's what we want. You know, we do have our kick-ass life podcast group on Facebook where we're building a tribe of awesome people there. So if you're interested, if you're listening to the podcast, you better freaking be in our Facebook group. So (laughs) kick-ass life podcast is the name of it. Um, But love to get your guys's feedback there. We already have recommendations for show topics. And also like when we start to dive into more deeper topics, I want to get your guys's food for thought also, which we may discuss in the podcast. So make sure you join us there. And um, other than that, you can visit us on kickasslifepodcast.com if you ever want to find any of our other listening options or send episodes to your friends or family. Awesome. We'll see y'all next week. 